Welcome to The Honest Uproar, a podcast where modern, child-free women share their life stories and where we discuss important topics for the kid-free community. I'm Isabel, your host and founder and firebrand of The Uprising Spark, a digital platform that offers life coaching products and services for modern, independent, child-free women. Our aim is to build a strong female community and to connect empowered women around the globe. This is the first time in the Honest Upper podcast that I have two sisters, and not only sisters, you're also twin sisters. So welcome, Christina and Adine. Thanks. We're excited to be here. I'm very excited to have you both. I was approached initially by, uh, I think it was Christina, yes, Mm -hmm. wanted to be in the podcast, and then we're exchanging emails, and you were like, oh, you know what? My sister's also child-free, and I was like, I love this. Let's let's bring both (laughs) of you together at the same time uh, in in this podcast. So thank you for being here. I'm excited. (laughs) I'm super excited to have you both. So you both live in Denver, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Christina just moved here. I've been here for seven years. How do you like it there? I think I've, I think I went there once. It was very cold. It was in the winter time, but it was uh, a beautiful city. Yeah, no, it's great. I didn't really plan on being here so long. It was meant to be sort of like a three month hiatus or whatever. And then, yeah, seven years later, now I'm stuck here. <laughs> <laughs> and I got here about three months ago. I'm still adjusting to the elevation, which really knocks you, um, but it's been really fun. Yeah, I mean, it is quite, um, I like the Midwest. I like mm. the people from the Midwest. Are you from the Midwest? No, we're originally from New York. Oh, you're from New York State or city? Where? City. City, mm-hmm. you're from New York City. I yeah. love it. That's like my favorite city in the world. Same. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that must be a really, I mean, it's an interesting change to go from the big city to Denver. Right? Yeah, it's a nice change, especially after COVID. Yeah. <laughs> Um, having a little bit more space and access to mountains is really nice. Yeah, I can imagine. I think uh, one of the things that people who live there told, well, said to me was that it's just so nice to have the mountains so close because you can mm-hmm. hike, you can go skiing, snowboarding. Um, yeah, just live a, a very different, chilled kind of life. Yeah, it's pretty nice. It's definitely a lot easier than the grind. <laughs> Yeah, I can only imagine. I mean, yeah, I can only imagine. I'm a big city girl, though. I don't think I could live in Denver. <laughs> I used to say that, too. <laughs> so what what made, uh, so I think it was Nadine who moved first to, to Denver, right? What made you move yeah. to Denver? Uh, it was kind of on a whim. There wasn't really a whole lot of planning. It, it, it kind of happened within three weeks. I was just living in New York. I was in a relationship that I didn't really care for and then a cousin of ours lives out here and he was like oh my wife and I are having a baby and I was like well I guess you'll need a babysitter and then I showed up at his door three weeks later and uh, never left (laughs) I no longer live with him it was like three months but that was it (laughs) and you got to babysit uh, their kid yeah I was like a nanny for like a couple months for them so like that kind of worked out really nicely Um, but yeah definitely further enforce that idea of like oh this is not for me <laughs> yeah I can't imagine and uh, how about you Christina what made you move to to Denver um I just got out of a five and a half year relationship that ended because she realized that she wanted kids I guess it just took her almost six years to figure that out I'm not salty <laughs> <laughs> wow. uh, and so we were living in LA for the last three years together um and so when that all went down I just decided I wanted to be near family and I didn't want to be in LA anymore. Um, so yeah, I came out here three months ago. And at first I also was like, oh, it'll be a temporary thing. But yeah. now I'm pretty set on staying. It's yeah. definitely, it definitely, you fall in love with the city mm-hmm. pretty quick. And especially with like the queer community being so big, mm-hmm. it just, it's easy to make friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone is a transplant. So everyone is also equally desperate for friends. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. You know, um, I love that we're doing this in June. We're on Pride Month Mm -hmm. and you both are queer. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just would like to know a little bit more about, uh, you know, when did you embrace your queerness? And specifically, I mean, Christina, I know you were married to a cis man. Uh, So I would really love to hear the story from, you know, from both of you, your personal stories. Here, you go Uh, first. I'll go first. Okay, so this is Christina. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I I got married really young when I was 19. 
uh, to a man. Um, it was a whirlwind of a relationship and I was just a young teenager being young and in love. He was from Malta, which is where my, our family is from. Mm -hmm. And we were married for three years. And during those three years, it, it just wasn't a great relationship. There was, um, a lot of, I would say emotional manipulation. Um, and so three years in, I left. Um, and during that time, I kind of questioned my sexuality, but I was like, no, I'm obviously straight. <laughs> um, and then I spent a year traveling by myself and that's where I first fell in love with a woman or had feelings for a woman. And I was like, oh, this is a thing. Um, and then it wasn't until like, maybe I was 24 that I really started dating women. And then I met my ex-partner and we were together for five and a half years. And yeah, I just, it's who I am now. I don't know. It's weird to think that at one point in my life, I was like, I'm straight. <laughs> and I came out to, I don't know if I came out to you. I just one day was like, oh, I'm going on a date with a girl. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it ever really was a conversation. It was really yeah. just like, we, we had the same friends and you just started coming along to like gay bars and queer parties. And, yeah. and then it was just like, oh, okay. Yeah, cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Nadine had come out before me, so I kind of knew how the family would react. <laughs> I had like a really, you know, like a nice little buffer. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I, I identify as queer. I think for me, it's more about the person and not so much the package the person comes in. And I love it. I love the queer community. I love being a part of it. I think there's so much joy and love and diversity within it. And it's just... Also very welcoming if your child free by choice. Um, it's not that uncommon. So there's definitely like a, a welcoming aspect to that. Yeah. Uh, oh, I guess I'll go. Your um, coming out story is funny. <laughs> well, okay. So, uh, so I first had a crush on a girl when I was in high school and I was like so in love with this girl. I was just like, oh my God. <laughs> um, and I didn't really like think about it a whole lot. It was just something I felt and I was just like, whatever, like, you know, you're in high school, you just do whatever it is you need to do to like, not feel so awful constantly. Mm -hmm. And then when I was in college, I was working um, at a store and basically everyone there was gay of some variety. <laughs> uh, and then I started dating my manager at the time. Uh, she pursued me pretty hard. And I was like, dating a guy at the time, because that is just kind of where I was. Um, and then, yeah, she pursued me pretty hard. And then I... Was it her gay agenda? No, yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was like, oh my God, yeah, like, this is great. Like, <laughs> um, this is exactly what has been weird in my life. Like, I, what I've been, like, missing. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I ended up in a relationship with my manager. And she wasn't, like, the greatest person of my first relation like serious relationship with um I so it was like the day before Christmas and I found out she like cheated on me um so of course I go to like Christmas dinner with family and I'm so devastated I'm like I don't know I must have been like 19 or 20 I'm just like crying and my mom like comes into the room and she's like honey, are you pregnant? <laughs> and, and I was like, oh, she, she just thought I was pregnant. And I was like, no, I was like, it's worse. <laughs> I was like, I'm in love with a woman. <laughs> and her, it was so like, she's like preparing Christmas dinner. We're, we're about to have like 12 family members over. And she kind of just like gets quiet and doesn't really say a whole lot. And it's like, I'm going to go cut carrots. Oh, and I was like, what? <laughs> um, so that's how I came out. And then the best part about it is that, so at this time, I was living in an apartment. My parents lived in the same building. Chris lived, we all lived in the same building. And my girlfriend also lived in said building. So it's just like such a weird situation. Cause like now my parents hate her for like multiple reasons. <laughs> but yeah, that's kind of my coming out story but I just identify mostly like queer lesbian um I'm in a relationship right now um with my girlfriend that I've been with for four and a half years and it's definitely the best relationship I've ever been in and we just bought a house together so now I'm like we're trapped like, wow. um but yeah I don't I don't really know if I answered the question I feel like I kind of rambled on a little bit <laughs> no, <you totally> did. <laughs> 
but yeah, I, uh, me and my partner both are, uh, choose to be child free. And it's something we, we talk about quite often because it, it does seem to come up a lot, especially when you're around family members. Because mm-hmm. that's always the first question. Is, when are you having kids? Or mm-hmm. you're 31 now. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. But yeah, that's kind of my storyline. <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing that, both of you. Um, you know, it's interesting because, you know, the, coming out, I, I have a, a few friends who are part of the LGBTQ I plus community and some stories of coming out are a lot easier than others, but it's usually, um, it's usually not easy. So I just wanted to know, you know, how your family has reacted to both of you being gay. Do you have any siblings before we go? No, it's just us. Just the two of you. All right. So, so how did you, how do you, how did your parents react? How did your extended family, have they been like very open about it or just like, let's not talk about Christina and Nadine being gay. It's pretty normal now because it's been so long, but so, so when I came out to my mom, it was over text message because this is Christina. Cause I was just, I had just chopped off all my hair. Cause I was like, I'm gay. I want everyone to know. <laughs> um, and I had just chopped off all my hair and my mom was going around saying, Oh, Nadine's a BLT. Now Christina's a BLT, which like, is-, is the sandwich not LGBT. (laughs) (laughs) It was just like, it was so obnoxious. And she was like making, essentially making fun of us. Well, I think, I don't think they really understand. Like we grew up, so here's the other thing. We grew up in the Greenwich Village, which if anyone knows anything about the Greenwich Village, it's like where Stonewall happened. Um, So very gay. So that's where we grew up. So it's not like my parents were never exposed. Like I remember being five years old, being at the gay pride parade. And that was just, kind of what our life was Mm -hmm. so I guess when we told our parents they it was interesting how confused they were by it (laughs) when when they we had been so exposed yeah never and it was normalized as kids yeah if Um, that makes sense yeah but I don't I don't I think our dad took it probably harder because he wanted us to be as like little Maltese princesses and like Mary, like what Christina did, like marry a Maltese guy. Yeah, and like young, um, and kind of just become like stay-at-home moms and yeah, do that. Like we, they never really pushed for us to even pursue careers or go to college. college like yeah. they were really just like, you get married to and a guy and you have kids and you live your life. Um, so I think our dad took it harder, probably. Mm-hmm. Just, but I don't, I don't know if he was really equipped to like ask questions or. Mm-hmm talk to family members. Like, I, I think he probably was embarrassed for a little while, but he never said any of this. Like he yeah. never, like never once did our parents actually make us feel bad or anything. Yeah. Um, and they never like kicked us out or cut us off. Like they were just like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I um, think it, they were just more shocked, confused, confused, disappointed that they weren't going to have like a big wedding and grandchildren. I think they're more disappointed about the child-free thing than the game. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. I don't think our extended family had a whole lot, to, at least not to us. Not to our face. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of them had things to say, but not to our face. And I don't really care what they think either. So yeah. yeah. We, have, we have such a large family too. I know. Our, yeah. Our dad's one of eight. Also so. Like, t- like so many of our, so our extended family, I don't know, there's probably like 40 of us cousins and like half of us are lesbians. Someone <laughs> <laughs> ends up, guys. Like, all the girls are gay. <laughs> but, wow, that's very interesting. <laughs> yeah, there um, are a lot of queers in the family. I'm like, mostly, mostly lesbians, though. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, like a lot of lesbians. <laughs> um, but yeah, when I, but when I came out to mom, she met me at a restaurant with my ex-girlfriend and pretended like she didn't know she was my girlfriend <laughs> and didn't make eye contact or look at her for the first 15 minutes. And we were at a nice restaurant. She was trying to order shots of Malibu <laughs> and the waiter was like, we don't serve that. <laughs> um, so it was really awkward when I came out to mom and dad didn't even show up, even though he was supposed to. Oh, um, so it was, it was really weird that that specific situation. But after being together so long, my parents really ended up loving her mm-hmm. and meeting her family and loving her. And, mm-hmm. you know, we we had both bought engagement rings for each other. We were looking at buying a house. Um, and then I don't know, she was doing work with her therapist and. <laughs> 
realized that she wanted children when I had been upfront from day one that children were never going to be in the cards for me. And I'm not planning my life according to having children. So um, it was kind of out of left field. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Before we get into the child-free subject, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's interesting that, you know, you grew up in New York, but your parents are from Malta. So were they born in Malta and then moved to the States or were they born in the States? So our dad is born in Malta and moved to the States, um, mm -hmm. but our mom is born and raised in like the North, like New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. She kind of mm -hmm. went all around, um, but I think she spent most of her time in an area of Pennsylvania and then Flushing, New Queens. Yeah, she's got a Flushing, New York accent. Yeah. <laughs> okay, because, you know, the, the question for me, it's more more about you know the I don't know much about Malta I just I I think I saw maybe a documentary or something and they filmed in Valletta and it was beautiful and it just <laughs> everything looks amazing I know it's tiny uh, and I think you know the first impression that I got from what I saw was like oh this this looks a lot like Italy and maybe <laughs> people also act a lot like Italians I'm just wondering what type of you know, are they very traditional? What are the values, basically, of people in, in Malta in, in general? Yeah, it's interesting. It's, it's, it's Roman a, Catholic. Yeah, super Catholic, very conservative, but also progressive, like in LGBTQ rights. They're very progressive. Well, I think they not present on the image. home level. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it is conservative. It is the it's family Roman structure. Catholic. Yeah, it's yes. Roman Catholic and conservative and traditional. Um, and culturally, it's a lot like Italian, like Italy, but the language is pretty much Arabic. Um, so it's like a cool mix because it's right in the middle of the Mediterranean and it's equal distance pretty much from Sicily and Northern Africa. Um, so it's this really interesting kind Mixing of like melting pot. pot of, yeah, just cultures and language. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I really want to go, <laughs> but oh, it's so beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I get. I'm. I'm so. I mean, I love traveling and going to Malta is one is one of the things I have on my list for sure. Put it at the top of your list. That <laughs> <laughs> will do. Um, yeah. So the the you know the reason why I ask is because you know being being born and raised in in New York, but you know parents coming from such traditional values, um, you know you would understand that even if you are exposed to the whole you know, being in Greenwich Village and normalizing everything that has to do with the LGBTQ plus community. Um, I think it's it's different. And this is something that I, I, I'm not a parent. I'm not planning on being a parent either. But I've heard a lot of people say my age, people that are having children saying, oh, yes, I definitely like I'm all for LGBTQI, I, I, the rights and I, you know, the community, blah, blah, blah. But I don't want my son to be gay or I don't want my no. daughter to be a lesbian. Yeah. So it's a bit like you know, I don't know. What do you girls think? Uh, that's a tough one. Yeah, it just um, sucks. It, because cause they're not okay with it then when they say that. It is homophobia to say that. Um, for Like if someone says, oh, I don't want my kid. I understand if you're like, oh, I don't want them to go through the hardship of, mm -hmm. you know, going through that as growing up because, you know, like we were bullied in high school and mm -hmm. I didn't know I was gay then, but apparently everyone else knew. <laughs> and, you know, I can understand why someone would be like, oh, I just don't want my children, like child to go through that necessarily. But yeah, I mean, it is just, if you don't. Well, that was like the whole, wasn't that the whole Kevin Hart thing? Wasn't that like what he got in trouble for? He said like, oh yeah. was that? Maybe. I forget. Yeah, I, I think that's like, disappointing and then you know if that kid hears their parents say mm -hmm. that but they identify as queer mm -hmm. or anything um it's just gonna hurt that child yeah. you know? I also think it's kind of like the same thing as the tolerant tolerance trap like people say oh I'm tolerant of this person it's like tolerance isn't acceptable tolerance means you're dealing with it because you have to and you're not accepting of someone mm -hmm. and respecting them as their own human being who can live their life however they want so when people say things like I'm okay with it I'm tolerant with it it's like mm, no <laughs> you're not <laughs> um that's how I feel but I might have a more extreme view <laughs> yeah. I get worked up when I hear people say stuff like that because I think if you love your child, you're going to, I don't know, you should love them yeah. regardless of who they're going to love and just be happy that they are capable of loving others. And also, like, why do you care? Like, it's like, your kid's happy. Like, let them do whatever they exactly. want. Exactly. Yeah. 
I completely agree with you. I, I mean, I, I would think also that parents would love their children unconditionally, no matter what. Yeah. But I've, I've not only have I heard people of having really terrible, uh, like really traumatic come out mm-hmm. stories, but also really traumatic, you know, come coming out, not it's not really coming out. I mean, telling their parents that they don't want to have children and being disowned because of that, or being taken out of wills. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's just, uh, and it's, and it's, I can't compare being child free to being part of the LGBTQ community because being child free is a choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, your sexual um, orientation is not. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's a completely different thing, but you know, I, yeah, maybe they don't want their kids to go through what people have to do. And I'm surprised that you mentioned that you, you were bullied in high school because, you know, New York being such a, you know, this melting pot of so many things and people are normally so open-minded in New York and whatnot. So I'm very surprised to hear that. We actually went to high school in Pennsylvania. We spent a few years living there and that's where it happened. Okay. I would say that's pretty, we were definitely kind of, we definitely had different views on things. Yeah. Coming from New York to like a smaller town in Pennsylvania. I remember when we first moved to Pennsylvania, I heard kids saying, Oh, that's so gay. And I was like, what do you mean? I don't, like, I yeah, had never heard, heard that saying when we were growing up in New York. And that was the first time I learned or thought to think, oh, I yes. guess gay is not okay or normal. It was because it was used as a slang to say that's stupid or that's dumb. And I remember asking someone about it, just being like, I don't understand why you're calling it gay. Yeah, like it really didn't make sense to us. Like every time, like I remember the same thing too. I'd be like, what? I don't. I don't understand. And I, I used to always be like, don't say that. Like, yeah. I don't, like, what do you mean by that? And they're like, you know what I mean? And I'm like, no, like, <laughs> what is, what do you mean? <laughs> it makes no sense. Yeah. That's a very lazy expression. And I've heard people use that expression. I mean, it's lazy because I mean, and also it's very, it's offensive, but at the same time, it's lazy. Like there's so many words in the dictionary, you know, <laughs> why don't you pick so outdated now? I'm like, who still says that? <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to The Honest Uproar, a podcast where modern, child-free women share their life stories and where we discuss important topics for the kid-free community. Let's dive in into the child-free subject, which is my favorite subject in the world. Yes. <laughs> um, so I want to ask both of you to, you know, tell uh, me and of course my audience who's listening to this episode, how did you come to that decision in your life's I don't, so this is Nadine talking. (laughs) Um, I don't know if I ever, if there was ever like a moment in time, but I know that growing up, I never thought about having children, Mm. especially people. I feel like when you grow up, you hear people in school, oh, I want to get married and have two kids and this and that. And I just never had like that was just never on my radar. I was like, I want to work in fashion and I want to like have my freedom and travel the world and make a lot of money. (laughs) That's all I really ever thought about. Um, And then as I got older, that's when I picked up on the fact that it wasn't super well received when I would kind of be like, Oh no, I I don't want kids. And especially like towards my mid twenties when people would ask about it, because it seems like that's the age where people are planning. Um, and then it was probably when I was like around 24 that I was like, no, like I really don't ever want children. I don't see how they, um, like I didn't see the benefits. I don't, I, maybe mm-hmm. that's not the right, I don't know. Like, and I just, I never, like I definitely wasn't financially stable when I was 24 to be like, oh yeah, let me have a kid. Um, I've never like looked at a baby and been like, oh, like I want that. Like it's always seemed like such a, hassle I like want to be careful about what I say because I'm like if I I feel like I can really upset people by being like no like kids really bother me (laughs) um like I just really don't have any desire to be around them and it's something Mm -hmm. I've always made clear to people I've been with to kind of like squash that in the beginning but yeah I think it was probably when I was like 24 that I really started like speaking up about it and I at the time I was working at this store and I was I was the youngest person that worked there. Everyone that worked there was in their like forties, like nearing 50. And I I remember a couple of the associates there would be like, Oh no, you'll change your mind. Like, don't worry. And I always found it to just be like so rude when people would say that. Cause 
it's like people who are having kids, you're not like, you'll change your mind. Like, you know, yeah. you're, you don't want that. Um, yeah. but a coworker pulled me aside because she like saw that it was visibly upsetting me that I was being made to feel like I was stupid for even mm. thinking that or that I was like too young and naive to understand what having a child meant and how beautiful and important it could be in my life. Um, and she pulled me aside and she was like, I'm just like you. And she, at the time she was like in her mid forties, she's like, I'm just like you. She's like, I've never wanted children. And I spent my entire twenties and part of my thirties being told that I would change my mind. She's like, don't change your mind for these people. Like, do you, like, you know what you want? Like you're an adult. Mm -hmm. And it just was what, it was the first time someone was like, no, like it's okay to feel how you feel. Um, you don't have to make these people feel more comfortable by like playing into the idea that you need to have children mm -hmm. to make them feel like they did the right thing by having children themselves. If that makes sense. Totally. Um, wow. I, I just, yeah. I just really, I, I struggle with the idea of having children because I also think that the world we live in right now is so scary and that technology is advancing in a way that is going to hurt later generations. Like, the other day I, I'm on Instagram and there's like a five year or maybe she's six with a TikTok Instagram account. And it's like her dancing and full makeup. And she's got like 10,000 followers. And I'm like, that can't be good. And like putting yourself out there for anyone to see and then to grow up, like to start from such a young age, putting your worth, like your self-worth into like other people. Mm -hmm. Um, it just seems dangerous. And then, you know, like global warming's a thing. <laughs> um, it, it seems like almost irresponsible to have a child at this point with the way things are moving and how overpopulated the earth is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I would agree with that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of feelings around it. <laughs> we, we talked for like six hours. <laughs> that's, that's good. I mean, and this is the thing about, you know, uh, the, the reasons why people don't want to have children, I find, and you know, since I've been part of the child community, that there are a hundred reasons, one thousand reasons not to have a child. I have never heard one single good reason to have one, not one. Same, yeah. So you know, uh, yeah. how and how about you? How is your story, Christina? Um. Well, when I was married. I, I did want to have a child really bad because I was just so lonely and I thought, oh, this will solve it, um, <laughs> which works out for everyone. But um, I think that's also something you learned. Well, I learned and it was kind of insinuated like, oh, we're getting married and we're going to have children. And that was kind of just the path I was on without really thinking about it. And I think that's a huge problem is a lot of people go down that path just because it's so normalized and mm -hmm. heteronormativity tells you, hey, get married, have a child. Like this is the life you live. Um, but after we separated, I was dating this other guy and he pointed to a picture of a child at one point and he was like, that's what our kid would look like. And in that moment, I was like, it wasn't anything to do with him, but I just was like, oh, I don't, I don't think I ever want that actually. And that was like the first time I had an inkling that I might not want children. Um, and then I traveled for like a year by myself and I really just embraced the freedom. I liked that I could pack up and go whenever I wanted, meet people and just have that full freedom to, you know, live my life for myself and do the things that I wanted for myself and not invest all my time and effort and money and energy into so much a money. child. So much money. So much money. Um, Who has the money for children? Like, I mean, <laughs> with like four kids. I'm like, how like <laughs> what like what, what do you do you, for a living yeah like how many credit cards do you need for each kid yeah like go on uh, <laughs> and then yeah I just I think it wasn't until like I was 24 and I just was like yeah no this is mm -hmm. I I don't want kids and I was in I was seeing this person and they after we dated for like I think maybe six months and I had said been upfront also about not wanting children and they ended it because of that, which I respected. We had only been together for six months and I respect that decision. Um, and then, yeah. So with my ex, when she came to me and said that she wanted children, 
uh, I actually went through therapy with my therapist working through why I didn't want children because I was trying to save the relationship and was trying to see if it, it was it fear-based was, was there an underlying issue that I never addressed? And I spent weeks with my therapist working through it. And at the end, I just, I just don't want them. And there's so many reasons. The idea of childbirth, I mean, this country, our healthcare system is so bad and maternal um, fatality rates are so high. And I also have this deep fear, like, what if my, what if I had a child with, you know, extreme autism or, you know, something where it would be even more of a responsibility. And I think when people enter parenthood, they go into it knowing there are a lot of risks associated with it. And I'm not willing to take those risks, nor am I willing to adjust my life for a, a, a child that is going to be so dependent on me. And I, I just would, I, I, there's something narcissistic about having kids. Oh yeah. And, we've had this conversation a lot. Yeah. Just like putting all your time and energy into creating like your fantasy self, I feel is well, what people like you're, do. You're creating this image of your, like, that's what they're like. They're like, don't you want someone to take like, care of take you when you're you? old? Like, don't you want someone who like loves you unconditionally? And I'm like, having kids does not guarantee, guarantee that. Yeah. And I think that's like the biggest thing for us. It's like this idea that you have children. So you have that love from something that is different from anything else. Mm-hmm. But I feel like you and I have always had such special relationships with people mm-hmm. and we've taken time to like nurture our relationships mm-hmm. with our friends and like our family members who we're close to that we never once felt that something was mm-hmm. missing. I've never felt like I've missed out on love or relationships. Mm-hmm. And I think us being twins mm-hmm. is also a bond that a lot of people don't experience that I, I just never felt like my life was lacking. Also, my dog is my baby. I don't care what anyone says. <laughs> he is the light of my life. <laughs> um, I just never felt like that. Th- th- but not that everyone goes into having children for that reason. But like, I, I feel like I don't know. I feel like that's such a common. Trope. Well, you hear it. Well, you hear it a lot. That's why. And it's like we're so like no, like we're yeah. happy. Like yeah, sure, we're on like also- anti-anxiety and antidepressants. <laughs> what millennial is it yeah like uh, i hate when people are like who's gonna take care of you when you're older i'm like all that money i save (laughs) and i'm just gonna be at like the nursing home having all the sex (laughs) (laughs) because i'm gonna be like 80 years old i'm just like whoa let's party yeah Yeah. (laughs) with my bad hip (laughs) yeah i don't know i feel like we've never um i've never felt like i was lacking in love or connection or mm-hmm. I really I don't know I value human connection so much and I I make a point to have those relationships and I'm fulfilled in that and I think people people forget to look around them and see who is already mm-hmm. existing who they already love and I'd rather instead of pu- putting all my time and energy into nurturing a child put my time and energy into nurturing friendships and family and my dog and <laughs> just, well isn't that like the whole idea too like the cycle of like people taking care of you and you taking care of them and it's like why can't we just do it now yeah like, just like why, a continuous cycle of yeah, it like why does it have to be when you're old like why can't we take care of each other right now. So that way when we're old, we're like equipped to like actually take care of each other. I mean, my backup plan was you're going to take care of me. I mean, based on my knee right now, I'm just, <laughs> I don't feel that as much. <laughs> I love that idea. And I think it's something that I've also discussed um, with uh, Lenora and Chris and the Chalfer girls, you know, of creating this community around you uh, for that. I mean, not only for the support, not not only for having somebody there in your golden years, but also, you know, just for, like you said, nurturing friendships and nurturing relationships with people who are not necessarily related to you by blood. Um, I also have a sister. She's younger than me and she doesn't have children, but if she does, I don't think she's going to be like my backup plan (laughs) when you're old. Uh, We never know. But, you know, it's interesting how I have found in the childhood community so many people that are part of the community with that sense of let's make this a tight, let's make tight relationships. You know, let's let's create this um, this family, this chosen family in the end. Right. And I think it's a lot like what happens in the in the queer community as well. 
Yeah, for oh, sure. Totally. Yeah. 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 A lot of people, I mean, we have friends who aren't accepted by their families and it's devastating. I, I'm really grateful that our family is accepting, but for so many people, they don't have that and they're kicked out and it, it just breaks my heart. And those are people who I'm like, why did you have children if you weren't willing and ready to love yeah. your child, no matter what, like those people, I, I question their parenting yeah. a lot. I question people's parenting every single day of my life. <laughs> Just in general. <laughs> Just in general, every single day of my life. Um, there was something I wanted to ask too, and it, it, it's something that you got you mentioned in your e in the email I received with your bios. Who are uh, bios are actually in the description of this episode. Um, I think it was Nadine who said that you knew from a young age that you never wanted children due to your complicated relationship with your mother. Would you talk? I mean, is it okay if we talk about it? Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. Um, so I try to describe my mom and I think the best way to describe her is rough. She's just like, she's know. very, she's, yeah, she's just like really tough. And she, she had a really traumatic, problematic growing up um, on her own. So it made parenting for her. I think she struggled because she didn't know she didn't really have like any good examples in her life I, I don't want to say too much because like you know we love our mom and she did the best that she could and um but her parenting style was definitely not normal I would say mm -hmm. um and it never felt super nurturing mm. like I never wanted to like curl up in her arms and like be held by her um it always just felt like arm's length sort of a relationship, if that makes sense. Um, and then when I was in middle school, I developed an eating disorder and that's when like the strain really happened. Uh, Cause she, she really just had no idea how to deal with it. And I think at the time too, I mean, this was back in however many years, 15, early 2017 years ago, um, there wasn't really like a whole lot of like communication around it. I remember at the time, one of the Olsen twins was, uh, all over the newspapers for having the eating disorder. And that was basically all my mom had ever seen. So it, it put a real strain on the relationship because she didn't understand it. Um, she didn't understand how to help you. How to help me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She, she almost made things worse by her, her method just was like so backwards. And at the time she sent me to a therapist that was her therapist. And I'm like, is that even okay? <laughs> Looking back. Um, so I, I didn't have like a whole lot of support around there. So our relationship became really broken in that, in those couple of years. And then as time went on, um, it just never really recovered. Um, but I never had that feeling of like, Oh, I, I don't know how to, how would you explain it? Like I never felt nurtured or like well with mom because of her upbringing so our grandma was just a very violent and manipulative. manipulative awful woman and that's who raised our mother and our mother you know did the best she could and tried to be a supportive loving mother but she wasn't it, given the tools she wasn't given the tools but also she she took your eating disorder as like per, she took it as something uh, as a personal attack on herself. Um, and that was something that was pretty regular. Like now that you're bringing mm -hmm. that up, like anytime something would happen that she wasn't totally, everything always ends up being about her. Yeah, Everything was really personal to her. Um, like I remember one time I like scraped my knee and I was in the bathtub and she was going to take a bandaid off. And I was like, no, I don't trust you. And like, it's such a weird thing for a seven-year-old to say. Um, and she basically ignored me for a week. Cause she was like, Oh my God. <laughs> um, she was like, really like, angry. she would get angry, like angry over these things. Um, she was just like rough. She was like tough. Like uh, she, she was hard to, it was hard to like get past her barriers. Um, yeah, she had a lot of barriers and still does. I would say she's gotten yeah. softer in age, but she it, it was hard. we also had a different relationship growing up mm -hmm. so our mom treated us differently which mm -hmm. is odd because we are twins but Nadine's relationship was more difficult than mine but because 
of what you were going through, I was kind of forgotten in the back. Yeah, you were, it was easy for you to fly under the radar. Yeah. Like what was happening in my life was so... Um, Consuming, I guess. Yeah, and I think, I think the biggest thing for mom and dad too was like, they were really embarrassed by my eating disorder. Mm. Um, and like anytime we'd be around family and a family member would say anything, it, it would end up in like a huge argument um, when we got home. And then like trying to force feed me something mm-hmm. and, you know, it for a 13, 12 year old, it's like, whoa, like I need my, I need my mom. Like I need yeah. my dad. Like, and, um, I think just experiencing like how disconnected it felt to be from my family, mm. I think was really hard to, um, you weren't feeling loved or supported. Yeah, it just was always, it, every day was a battle within myself and then with the family. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of were like really quiet about everything because you also were like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> I was a kid. I'm a kid. Like, <laughs> why aren't the adults figuring this out? Yeah, like, I'm not getting yelled at. Like, this is chill. You know? <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think even just like when I was in my, as I got older, I kind of pushed away from my mom a lot just because I never felt like I could go to her and like talk to her and trust her and like get good advice. Like she also never apologized. Yeah. She, she, yeah. But like, you know, like I love my mom. Like she, uh, she like did the best and like, she's still a good mom. Like she always made sure we had clothes in our bag, like food mm-hmm. on the table. Like, um, but the relationship was definitely strained from like a mm-hmm. very early age. Yeah. Just from like what was going on. You know, it's um, it's interesting to hear you talk about your mom and, you know, recognize that she she did her best with the tools that she had and the experience that she had. I feel uh, I, re- I can relate to parts of, of the story. And I think, you know, at least I mean, it's just hard, you know, when it's your mom, because you're supposed to love your mom no matter what or your dad or whatever. And it's this thing that is just so ingrained in people. And I'm not saying she was a bad person. Not at all. My point is that. It's, it's just, I think being a parent is just such a big responsibility. Um, raising a child without that child being affected by some of the things that affect people as parents is super hard. And, and so for me, in that sense, it makes sense, you know, uh, why you would say, okay, maybe this is something that I don't want to do, you know, having, being a, a parent. Would you yeah. say it was because of that or you, would, you didn't want to repeat the story or... I think just having that disconnect, I, I don't, I, I really don't know. Like, I just, all I know is that for my, like, during the course of my entire life, I've always had this sort of, like, tension with my mother. And, I mean, I it'd be hard to say that that doesn't affect my decision. Um, just, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess because for me, it's just been such a struggle why would I continue that when now, like right now I've like established my boundaries. I know the game. Like I know how to like interact and with mom. Yeah. Why would I start that over again by like inserting new human? Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, you know, and I also don't know how I would be as a parent. Like I do worry that those traits of like, uh, I'm trying to think like just erratic. Mm -hmm. Um, I think sometimes I, like when I get really upset, I do find that I shut down quite a bit and I don't know if I would even know how to handle a child that was being, that was crying or just being a kid. And what if I have a moment where I react as my mother would, you know, like, uh, I just, yeah, I don't, I do fear that like some of her traits are within me and I try to like tamp those down. I think it's inevitable that some of it is in us. (laughs) Well, I say it all the time to you. I'm like, oh my God, did I just do like something like mom? (laughs) And you do too, you're like, oh my God, like mom. (laughs) Uh, But I think that's like everyone too. Like everyone's always like, oh my God, I'm turning into my mother. But I'm like, no, like I can't. (laughs) (laughs) You don't understand. Um, yeah, I just, yeah, I, I really, I think I make this joke that like the gene lines stops with us, <laughs> but I think, I think there's something to be said about that. Like, I think trauma is passed down and generational trauma it's inherited or whatever. Like, I, I think, 
Um, I think our parents also grew up in a very different time. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think we're just living in a different age. Yeah, we're just living in a different time. And I, it's like hard to talk about sometimes because it just like feels really emotional. Yeah, I totally understand. Well, thank you so much for opening up, you know, in such a personal thing uh, and being vulnerable about it. Because my guess is there's going to be a lot of people messaging me saying, oh, I feel just like her. Mm-hmm. This has happened before. Um, there's one other question that I wanted to ask you both. And it's, um, I had a, a guest in my podcast uh, family. I love her so much. She lives in, in, I think she lives in San Francisco. She lives in California. Um, she's also queer. And I remember when we were talking about, you know, uh, her decision of being child-free and how she actually had, you know, lived those years, those those prime years when you're in your 20s and early 30s that everyone's pressuring you. She said to me, you know, I didn't actually feel that because people were like, oh, she's gay. Like, whatever. Like, they, that wasn't even like a question, right? But then at some point there was this, apparently there was like this baby boom uh, among uh, lesbians. And now some younger lesbians are are being questioned or asked by their friends or parents or whatever. Oh, when are you going to, you know, get one of those for you? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I wanted to ask both of you if you were if you have experienced that, you know, as part of the of the community. One hundred percent. I have a few thoughts on it. So with my ex, my mom would make comments like I want grandchildren. I don't care who carries. Um, and when I'd say comments like that, even though I had you know, express not wanting children. And I know a lot of people who are in queer relationships who have had babies. And I, it's, I get really annoyed when especially straight people ask that because first of all, the amount of work that goes into a same-sex couple having a baby is so much more than just a man and a wife going into the bedroom and like nine months later, they got a kid. Oh, we got drunk. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, there's doctor's visits. You have to find a donor. Also, do you want to know the father? And for me, because our mother never knew her father, I was always like, no, like if I ever had a kid, like they're going to know their full lineage because Mm -hmm. I just growing up in that environment was just a lot to take in. And so it really bothers me when people are like, oh, just have a baby. And it's like, first of all, it costs tens tens of thousands of dollars. Like I know just to even like, not even, yeah, not even like just looking at donors and getting the sperm will cost you like $10,000. And then that's not even after you're actually pregnant. Um, and then, you know, my, our friends just had a baby. They're two women and people always ask, oh, which one of you is the mom? <laughs> wow. Both the mom. And, you know, when I hear things like that, I'm like, it's, it just like really takes away from the other partner's experience. Yeah. Like, which one's the mom? Like, oh, okay. You didn't really do anything. Like yeah. you were just the money bags. Or but something. that's funny that people say that because men don't do anything, but have a good time for maybe three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's. but I just I get really and I used to get upset and when my partner and I split up you know this was a conversation and also her job gives eight weeks maternity leave and our country doesn't set you up for success to be a parent and I'm like eight weeks is a slap in the face that's a joke like if you had to have a c-section if the baby was born premature and was in Niku like Mm -hmm. there's so many variables that Eight like weeks. Your, if you have a C-section, are your scars even healed? In eight, eight weeks. weeks. Yeah. Exactly. So I just get really annoyed when people are like, oh, well, like now you can do it. You should do it. And it's, it's no, it's thousands of thousands you of dollars. To, yeah. I mean, it also implies that you have like this financial freedom and stability when like, let's be real, like women make less. Mm-hmm. So like you, now you're putting together like two know, incomes that are less. <laughs> and, and we're speaking just about like, generally yeah yeah. like you know I I think having a baby is just a lot of money in the queer community and And there's people don't respect you equally as parents I think that's still something that persists and I I don't have the patience to deal with people like that like mom would come out at me and I would just like fucking slap someone <laughs> what do you mean like if someone questioned my parenthood oh, status yeah. because i wasn't the one who carried yeah that would i don't know how yeah, people like guys, do that. guys don't carry and they get all the credit yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i also i just the idea of childbirth it terrifies me um oh yeah i i 
applaud women who do it and non-binary people who choose to have like carry a baby. I don't know. I heard you shit on the table and I was like, that is not for me. <laughs> <laughs> that, that did it for you. <laughs> I was like, no, if I didn't know before, I know now. <laughs> yeah. I just, the childbirth in general, like how does something so small push out a human? <laughs> well, that's like, it's like the miracle of it. Right. But yeah, I mean, it, it, it's crazy. Like it's crazy to think about. My body couldn't handle it. Yeah. I mean, childbirth is really hard on yeah. just people yeah. don't really talk about that a lot, but, um, or postpartum depression. I, really scary. I think so. Like, I fear that we would be really susceptible oh, yeah. to that just because of how our anxiety. Yeah. Like we both just deal with anxiety and depression, which we both came to terms with recently recently, like I first got on like an antidepressant and I was like yo dude like this is amazing (laughs) you need to go get on this like and then the next week I was like dude I'm on it (laughs) (laughs) it's not scary to think like you know what if we pass that on or have postpartum I don't know but yeah I just I don't remember what the original question was. I feel like we really <laughs> just like spiral. <laughs> just feed off each other's energy. Like, yeah, no kids. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been such a wonderful conversation and just so interesting. I loved having both of you here. Thank you again so much for coming to my show. It was a real pleasure. Thank you. I hope this made sense. I feel like we tend to ramble. Quite a bit. <laughs> oh, no, no, it totally did. I love it. Um, and before I do let you go, there's always, I always leave a space for my guests to say anything they want to my audience anything at all so you know it's it's your the floor is yours ladies yeah this is christina i i just want to stress i feel a lot of people when they hear oh you don't want children it's oh what went wrong in your life and it's it's not that it's that i love my life (laughs) i just don't feel like that will add value and i i just want to really remove that idea that oh there's something wrong you went through something traumatic you're you've been this or that. And like, no, I'm, I'm happy. (laughs) You should be happy that I'm happy. And if you choose not to have children because you're just like, I just like my life, then good stick to it. Like don't let someone make you think you'll be happier with a screaming toddler. (laughs) Um, I guess, I don't know. Just keep doing what makes you happy. And, um, I think people are always going to have opinions about your lifestyle and how you choose to, operate and live and I, I think the important thing is just kind of what is making you happy yeah it's none of their business <laughs> yeah oh and like hold your friends tighter yeah. <laughs> I love that please do hold your friends tighter well thanks again <laughs> for being here it was a it was a pleasure having you and happy pride month thank you for listening to the honest uproar a podcast where modern, child-free women share their life stories and where we discuss important topics for the kid-free community. We hope you tune in next week for our newest episode. And since we love hanging out with you, please be sure to follow us on social media at The Honest Uproar and visit our website at thehonestuproar.com. If you like what you heard, feel free to share with your fierce, child-free firecracker friends. Until next time, continue fueling your inner fire.